Welcome back, everyone. Stairway to Sevens, CJ on the beat. Thanks for that beat again, CJ. We've gone international, Jimbo. Mexico, Spain, Switzerland, the UK. Tasmania. <laughs> so thank you for those four listeners. I don't know if you listened to the whole thing or whether you just got sick of us after 10 minutes, but hey, international listeners, unbelievable. We've got a pretty... Cool show for you today. So we've got, in a minute, Ella Ryan and Lily Murdoch, who are part of our, our UC group here in Canberra, but also uh, just won a gold medal with the youth nationals, uh, sorry, youth national team in in New Zealand. So nice to see, nice to hear what they have to say after we spoke to uh, Nathan McMahon last week. So, you know what, let's just get into it. Let's just throw to them right now. All right, Ella, Lily, thanks for joining us uh, on Stairway to Sevens. We're really excited to have you. I guess first thing, and we'll start with you, Ella, um, how do you feel after after a gold medal win at the World Schools? Yeah, it was a pretty awesome feeling. Um, still on a high now, but yeah, it was, it was awesome to get the women to go. And what about for you, Lil? It was so surreal, just the whole experience of it all, and putting, even putting on that jersey, it still doesn't seem real. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what was it like to get to play together? Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to play together again, that was mad. And it was just, again, an amazing experience. Do you guys feel like you, I mean, I know you guys have known each other for a long time, but that's probably the first time in your careers where you've got to spend um, a significant amount of time playing together. Do you feel pretty comfortable with each other now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So look, let's let's go back a little bit. We'll start with you, Lil. I know um, early days with you, you were sort of a touch player. But what was what was the thing that sort of brought you across to sevens and made you want to have a crack at sevens? Well, I started playing around the same time as the Aussie girls won Olympic gold, and so that was an extreme moment when I just thought. Um, that why not give it a crack and why not um, play a contact sport, which I've never really played before. Um, and also my parents really, they watched the Olympic final and they were really encouraging to play and, yeah. And, and what, what about, a better time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, was, um, it was pretty amazing, that, that gold medal final. I think yeah, the whole rug, awesome. Yeah, I think the whole rugby community was getting behind them. What about for you, yeah. Ella? Yeah, so um, probably back in year seven, my sister was uh, rugby captain at St. Clair's and um, at that stage there wasn't a team to make for my age group because there wasn't enough girls who wanted to play. So I had to watch from the sideline, watch my sister play and um, it wasn't until about year eight when I played my first seven tournament for the school and we won pretty convincingly. So from there I started playing for club and yeah, loved it ever since. And um, was it for you, Ella, was it sort of like once you finally got to have a crack at sevens, was it like love at first sight? Did you really just fall in love with the game? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
that one? Yeah. 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 All right. So obviously, the two of you have been playing a lot of junior sevens and in the junior national setup and and youth setup. How did you find the jump sort of this year into into the senior Aon program? Obviously, with 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 us at UC sevens, but how did you find the the jump from junior nationals and junior sevens in, into the Aon setup? Um, well, for me, um, I found the professionalism a bigger standard and higher to you sort of strive to be reach that professional level. Um, and another big thing that I found was the physicality of the girls and the strength of, especially because you're playing against grown women, um, the skill set and the speed that they have and the physical level that they have is a lot greater. And so I found that coming up against that was a bit of a challenge. Um, Though it was something that, again, you have to strive to get to if you want to um, compete against those bigger girls and those faster girls. So, yeah, definitely the professionalism and the physicality and just the skill set. Anything to add to that, Ella? Yeah, I thought about the same, but I reckon, like, me and Lil being um, the youngest on the team, um, it was a hard, a bit of a hard transition from youth to Aon, but, like, the older girls who mentored us, um, really made that transition easy. Yeah, and, and on the older girls, how, how did you find having, you know, someone like Shani and Yasmin in and around the program for those, the, the first and fourth tournaments? Was that something that really made the transition a lot easier for you? Yeah, definitely. They really helped, I think. Um, even for the older girls who had played before, I still think they um, were a massive mentor to them and really showed what standards you know, um, that Aon comp had to be at. Would it be, would it be fair to say uh, the first, your first crack at it, you were really just trying to find the barometer and then by the time you got to the last round, you, you felt really comfortable within that environment? Yeah, definitely. Even looking back on the first round, it was like <laughs> such a massive jump from first round to camera. Yeah. Like the improvement of like not only myself, um, personally, but like just everyone and how we played together as a team was was crazy. You can tell by the results as well. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's a fair comment. Um, yeah. And then, I, you know, pretty short turnaround between finishing the Aon series and then back into the, the Junior National stuff. How did you find, we'll start with you, Ella, how did you find the transition back? Um, yeah, well, I thought the Aon season like really gave me a platform in which like I could improve and grow my skills. So um, my selection in the Aussie Seven Juice team was really rewarding and a great way to finish off the year. Um, like, I honestly don't think that I would have been selected if it wasn't for my experience in the Aon season. And um, playing with mostly girls who got selected in the Aussie um, youth team played in the Aon comp, like around all team. So, yeah. It was quite an easy transition to play with people who had already experienced sevens at such a high level mm. to then play with them about, um, yep. in New Zealand. So. Yeah. Yeah. What about for you, Lil? Yeah, pretty much the same, just going back um, back to Aon as well. That, as Ella said, all the, a lot of the girls played in that Aon comp, so it really boosted, um, had like a ground level from where we can build on as a team mm. as well. So we took that over to New Zealand. But Going back into youth nationals, you knew what you had to do to perform well, and that comes back to the professionalism that you attained from the Aon 7. Mm. So I do think that 
um, going back into the youth team, I had um, benefited extremely from Aon and it made me grow more as a player, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, going back um, was a bit of an easy transition. So you did have that opportunity to stand up and have that bit of a leadership role. Oh, that's that's good to hear, and I, I think it's it's especially especially jumping into that junior junior um, national team, having that level of professionalism across the board. It makes it makes game preparation really easy because you're not you're not worried about the six other people on the team. You're just worried about what you need to do to prepare, knowing that the other fourteen or thirteen girls are doing the same. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's quite an important, um, quite an important thing. Yeah, um, and, and on on World Schools champs, obviously, um, had a really good tournament, came away with a gold, which was which was pretty exciting. Um, just sort of on the champs, we we sort of tipped Japan to be a bit of a dark horse in the comp and and played quite a a fast game and and quite an unpredictable game. How did you find coming up against a team like Japan that you wouldn't seen a lot of in that final? I've got to give a lot of credit to Japan. They were absolutely amazing. And I don't think anyone really expected them to go as far as they did. And they were just the underdogs. They absolutely blew everyone away. And they played a really amazing style of footy. They were really well drilled. And um, I don't think we were too ready for that at the start. And then we sort of eased in and played our game. And they sort of, they shut us down at the start, which, um, they did extremely well at, and so I thought you have to give it to the teams like um, the New Zealand Condors and the New Zealand Moldy team, and especially the Japanese. They were amazing to come up against, and I don't think we really we um, played against them really well, and you can see that from the results. Um, and going in that into those games, we really focused on um, defense because the defense was going to win us the game, and overall, that's what did. So I do think we prepared well for that. Um, so they did play an amazing style of footy. Ella, what did you think about the speed of the Japanese girls? Oh, they're crazy. Like, I think every single girl on that team is just so physical, so fast and so fit that they could just run for days. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the speed of them was crazy. Like, especially in defence, they would push up and put pressure on us. Um and I think we were pretty lucky to have our speed out on the wings to um, just burn them on the outside. But otherwise, their hard work and determination through the middle was, was crazy. And we, we really had to um, pull it together and play our best game to um, get that final result. Mm. Lil, you mentioned, especially in the first half, they shut you down. Was there a discussion at halftime about making some attacking adjustments to try and negate some of what they were doing? Um, it was a bit chaotic at halftime, to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, we did have to make some adjustments, adjusting and, um, just settle ourselves down. And our captain, Bella, was really good at that. She really sort of calmed us all down and told us just play our game. And Nathan Parker didn't really have to say too much because, um, our captain, Bella, she just did an amazing job at doing that. And so, we just had to probably get a bit more depth because they did rush up mm-hmm. on us. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty much the halftime talk. Yeah, it, it was interesting because we spoke to Nathan uh, earlier in the week and he said the same thing, that he basically didn't need to... Him, him and Parker basically didn't need to address 
the huddle at all, um, which is a really exciting thing for a coach because yeah. when the playing group is picking up all the things that need to be adjusted and, and, and is actually calming the group down and bringing them back to, to the level they need to be at, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting and it's something that you can't really teach. You know, players either have that ability or they don't. Yeah, 100%. So what's next, girls? What What does the next 12 months look like, particularly um, in the seven space? Let's start with you, Ella. Um, well, next year the um, the Aussie youth are running the academy again, mm-hmm. which they did um, this year. Um, so, yeah, I think me and Lou are part of that. Yep. And um, to be honest, next year I'm just looking forward to just improving and um, – keep striving and, you know, play my best footy. But obviously the long-term dream is to play on the World Series circuit with the best, you know, female athletes, female seven players in Australia and one day hopefully play in the Olympics. But, yeah, for now I'm just looking to improve and get to my best game. Awesome. And for you, Lil? I'm probably about the same. I think we have, yeah, the as Ella said, the... Academy coming up again and the end term goal with, with that is going back to New Zealand and getting that getting the opportunity to put the Australian jersey on again. Um, but in between that, we do have all those camps and all those training sessions, which are all pretty exciting as well. And then we have the opportunity of a on again with Canberra. Shout out to Canberra, but they're <laughs> awesome again. Um, so yeah, just these all these little opportunities that we're just sort of taking as they come and um to be honest, so grateful for them. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, look, for those of you listening, mum and dad in particular. And I cave. You know, the, the, the two girls we're talking to, are, you know, Lily is going to start her first year of university next year and Ella is, uh, is, is going to be doing year 12. So, you know, <laughs> one more question for you. You guys managed your time really well this year. Were there any significant challenges in terms of managing, you know, a part-time job, school, and and all those, particularly all those camps? But then, you know, we'll start with you, Lil, like driving down to Canberra the two hours every week um, to come and train. Like, how did you sort of fit all of that stuff in? Um, well, I would never, never would have been able to do it without um, my family support. No way in the world. So they played an absolute humongous role and I think you can see that as they came to every tournament in Aon and then flew up to the Sunshine Coast to watch nationals and then yeah. flew over to New Zealand. So without them, I 100% wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, and HSE, um, that, was, <laughs> that was a different experience in itself, having to train then go back and have an exam or something like that. Um, but thank God that's over. Um, well, you, got in, you got into uni, mate. That's that's all. It yeah, matters. I'm into uni, so that's all, <laughs> yeah, pretty much all that matters. Um, but yeah, getting my ATAR back, and yeah, that's probably what I deserve. So <laughs> no, it's been it's been it's been awesome to see how I can manage my time, and it's been a lot of work, but it's been definitely worth it. And then uh, for you, Ella, slightly different in that you're based in Canberra, but additionally to the, you know, the national team camps, you're also part of that um, academy group through um, the ACT Academy of Sport, you know, doing yeah. schoolgirls stuff, 15-a-side stuff. Um, you know, how have you, how have, again, how have you been able to fit all of that in? 
yeah, it was pretty tough um, throughout the year. So, you know, training three mornings and um, out at the gym and then pretty much three afternoons, if not more. Um, so it was tough to get my homework in, <laughs> even though I don't do a homework. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I think managing footy with school, I feel like um, in both ways, like rugby was a bit of a release from school and then yeah. – was a bit of a relief from rugby so I think they both complemented each other pretty well and um, I think getting my school work done at school was really helpful so I could focus on footy playing my best footy and yeah. Yeah I'm certainly a firm believer in when you've got other things going on outside footy your footy tends to be your comfortable place the place you feel like you know you're most at home and, and it is a release so it's, it's good to hear you say that um, yeah, you know, and it, it also forces you to be pretty organized with your spare time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for speaking with us. Um, you do, do you want to give mum and dad or brother, sister a shout out while you're here? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah. What do you got? Shout out to your mum. <laughs> you go, Luke. You go, Luke. I'll, I'll shout out to your mum too. <laughs> shout out to Danielle. Shout out to my family. Love you all. Shout out to Tim as well. Love you too. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to mum, dad, Penny, Craig, <laughs> brother, the sister. Yeah. Good, good <laughs> stuff, girls. Um, Enjoy, enjoy, you know, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy a couple of weeks off. You've, you've thoroughly earned that. Mm. I think Ellie and I can both agree that as much as we do love our footy and as much as we do love the training and all that, I'm keen for the Christmas break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rip, in, rip into some ham. of that Christmas ham, Christmas turkey. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks again, girls. Um, yeah, I look, I look forward to seeing you both um, soon. Thank awesome. you. Thank see, you. See you, big dogs. See ya. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Ella and Lily. Pretty cool to hear what they had to say and, and, and talk about the experience and how that sort of development pathway um, has assisted them. Yeah. And, and I think sort of what Parkdale and Nath was saying pre-Aon about getting getting the girls in the Aon setup was really going to help them in the back end of the year with the, the World Schools champs. So I think that's... That's definitely paid dividends. Yeah, and good to hear them talk a bit about the professionalism. So that's obviously reaffirming for us being involved with those programs, but it, it's it's obvious that it's spread across the entire competition, which is really exciting. And, you know, as you say, the focus for them, you know, was on game preparation more so than worrying about what everyone else was doing or worrying about what's going on on their phone. They really knew what we had to do, the, the three or four things we had to do to get ready for the next game. So... It's pretty cool. So the next thing that I think is pretty exciting, the the World Series of Sevens has just announced a, I guess, a second division um, called the Challenger Series. So that that will be comprised of thirteen core teams and then three invitational teams. So the way this, the way it, it I guess it's a like a promotion relegation type thing. So instead of using that Hong Kong Sevens now as the play-in, as the standalone play-in tournament, they've added two additional tournaments. Um, and then they'll pick, from that they'll have a top eight, which will compete at the Hong Kong Sevens. And then the winner of that will replace 
the bottom uh, team in Division One. So really good to see. It's a you know all, I guess all the games will mean something then, particularly for those first division teams. You don't want to be that that bottom, bottom team. Yeah, yeah. So the teams that'll compete in that. Uh, in its inaugural uh, tournament on the 15th and 16th of February will be Brazil, Chile, Germany, Hong Kong, Italy, Jamaica, Japan, Papua New Guinea, Portugal, Tonga, Uruguay, Uganda, Zimbabwe. So they'll be the 13 core teams. And then you'll have Americas, Colombia, Mexico and Paraguay as the invitational teams. And I think... They're being invited because the tournament's being hosted in South America. Yeah, so back-to-back tournaments in, in South America on the 15th, 16th, and then 22nd and, and 23rd. So, yeah, you'd, you'd have to assume because they're, they're both based in South, South America. They've got three um, South American teams in there in the, those invitational spots, which is obviously pretty exciting for them. And then you'd have to imagine that each year they're sort of trying to develop a different region. Yeah, and I guess as a, a, a nice little side story... Or something to keep an eye on is, you know, there are there's a number of teams here that are still vying for Olympic selection in that repercharge. So June, yeah, yeah. So that'll, you know, February two tournaments in February, then um, March in Hong Kong. That'll really give them a nice platform to sort of lead into. Is it March or April? Actually, uh, April. April. Sorry, third and fifth <laughs> to the fifth of April. That'll give them three tournaments leading in to to that repercharge yeah. to really give them an opportunity to play some high-level high sevens. So those teams are Brazil, Chile, Hong Kong, uh, Tonga, Uganda, and Mexico. And Jamaica. And Jamaica, sorry, yeah. So that yeah, that, that's a definitely an interesting side story. So if you're looking at that group, Jimbo, who who's... Who's your top eight, I guess, is the, is the starting point here? Um, I mean, obviously teams like um, Hong Kong, Japan, Tonga um, have all played on the World Series to some extent and they're, they're going to have pretty high-quality sides. Um, I know Uganda have had quite a successful um, couple of years in the, the African Sevens League and they're, they're sort of the big up-and-comers behind Kenya, so... You have to expect big things out of out of Uganda as well, and then teams like Brazil, Germany, Italy are all going to have you know that they have been quite strong division division two sides for for a number of years. So you have to expect them to be to be up there as well. Yeah, you've also got to consider Uruguay that they have a fairly um, a fairly established fifteen side program uh, nationally. So a lot of their players play in Europe, similar to the Argentinians. Yep. Um, so you'd you'd expect. You know, given now they've got this platform, there there might be some additional investment in, in coaching and development and infrastructure. The other one that's an interesting one is Chile. I know I've spoken about this before. I've seen Chile play a few times. It, it's in 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 Chile. It's a, a like most places in the world, rugby is a private school game. So the the private privately educated kids play rugby. Everyone else plays soccer. Um, so the the best Chilean athletes tend to to gravitate towards soccer, but um, there's a lot of, at the moment, sort of British, New Zealand and Australian expats um, living in Chile, working in mines and things like that, or, you know, running mines. So there's a lot of talent, I guess, or, or, you know, more instinctive rugby players getting into the school. So that's, you've seen that level of, uh, 
the the level of Chilean rugby sort of take a jump over the last sort of five to ten years. So they're one that could be, you know, could be interesting. They could they could definitely surprise a few people. So looking at it, I would I would pick to that top eight. I would pick Brazil, Chile, Hong Kong, Japan, Papua New Guinea, Tonga, Uganda. Oh, there's one more. Germany? Yeah, let's put the Germans in there. <laughs> Industrial. <laughs> um, and then get with that in mind, who who do you think who do you think will replace for starters, who do you think will replace that, that last place team in, in Hong Kong? Um I, I think Japan's gonna you know, shown sort of across a number of different formats of the game that they are very rapidly developing from, you know, we, we saw them in the World Schools champs mm. come up against Australia in the final, in, in the women's space, and they play such an exciting brand. We've seen them in the World Cup play mm. really fast, really high skill footy, and they're all pretty transferable straight into the, to the men's sevens game. So you'd have to expect Japan to be pretty red hot. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, the other one, maybe Tonga, is is an interesting one. If they, uh, if they you know, they play a sort of Pacific Island style of footy where they'll they'll throw lots of offloads and um, play a lot through the middle of the field so that you know some of these some of these teams might struggle a little bit with that um, they may not have the big bodies yes, in the middle of the field the size especially yeah yeah so that, that they're another one to sort of look out for but yeah I tend to agree I think Japan's probably the one that comes out on top there and then you know looking <laughs> at the looking at the uh, the men's world series at the moment who's who's likely to drop off there Australia? <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. We'll turn it around. We'll turn it around. <laughs> yeah, Quadzilla. Yeah. Um, I'm not. The, the men's game at the moment is is very up and down, especially with those those bottom four teams. Like you had, you know, you had Kenya in in Dubai sort of have a pretty poor tournament, and mm. obviously in in their in quotation marks home tournament in in Cape Town in Africa um, had a you know a really unbelievable tournament and. Actually, put a few of those top four sides to the to the sword. Um, See, so yeah, I think I think whoever drops out of of the division one is going to be whichever team can't play consistent footy. There's there's plenty of talent across the board there. And then in in saying that, in in years gone by, the the next team that's come in from that Hong Kong tournament have sort of jumped in and, and straight away just been at the bottom of the pecking order. But I think with this division two sort of challenger series that'll actually allow that team coming in to be of a higher standard, have a bit more understanding of how to play, you know, consistent professional sevens on the World Series. And they actually we actually might see a bit more rotation through rather than just the same teams coming in and out all the time. Yeah, and as you say, it's it's not now you know, if you get if you get bumped out, drop down into the, the second division, it's sort of not the end of the world. You do get an opportunity now. Yeah, you're not waiting 11 months for a, for a playing tournament. Yeah, there's going to be plenty more opportunity. Yeah. So look, looking at it as it stands, the bottom, the current bottom four teams uh, on the series who've competed consistently um, across the first two rounds in the men's sport. So you've got Japan, Wales, Spain, and Scotland, who are um, yeah. Uh, uh, 16, 15, 14, and 13, respectively. So if you ask me, it's probably going to be out of uh, uh, Wales and, and Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Scotland have got a, a couple of X-Factor players that have been able to 
sort of win them those those games against the bottom four sides. So you can you can see them sitting at the top of there. But yeah, Wales and Spain haven't probably played the footy they they wanted to play, and they do seem to battle defensively against a lot of these these bigger, quicker teams, especially at the top end of the the World Series, and they really have battled through the pool stages the, the last couple of tournaments. And and the Welsh probably have a similar um, challenge in in the men's game to what we have in Australia, where the best rugby athletes want to play. 15s and they want to you know they want to put on that that Welsh jersey and 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 play in Millennium Stadium um lose the Six Nations <laughs> I don't know if any of you've been to the stadium there but the uh the atmosphere is unbelievable they basically sing from an hour and a half before kickoff to an hour and a half afterwards win lose or draw it's pretty amazing and then you know Spain traditionally a a country that plays soccer so again a lot of their best athletes gravitate towards soccer and, and now basketball too. The the um the Spanish basketball league is widely regarded as the, the second best league in the world after the NBA. So um it's always gonna be challenging, you know, to build programs in those sports where you might be dealing with, you know, the the I guess the you know, hundred and fiftieth best athlete in that sport or, or whatever. Yeah. Um but I, I guess that's where this challenger series will come in for, for those sort of teams and it'll allow them to develop a bigger program and, and get more exposure and play some more high-quality reps so that when they do jump, make that jump to the World Series, they're, they're good to go. And, and it, yeah, not enough can be said too for, you know, that they will be playing on the world stage. This stuff will be televised, live-streamed, um, you know, getting an opportunity, assuming you get into that top eight, to, to compete at the Hong Kong Sevens, which is, you know, one of the, the biggest Sevens tournaments in the world. You know, with that comes a lot of exposure, corporate sponsorship, opportunities to meet other people, other coaches, other other yeah, programs, athletes, yeah. other athletes, and kind of pick their brain about what they're doing. So it's it's definitely um, it's definitely an exciting time for for sevens. And I guess moving forward, I assume they'll roll out a similar concept in the women's game. Yeah, I think that's the plan. I think the the main challenge probably with the, the women's setting up the women's series is probably having the amount of countries exposed to sevens mm. and currently playing sevens. I know they've, they've spoken about using the, the Tokyo Olympics as another another big boost to, to develop the women's game. And so I think off, off the back of that, with with a, a number of new countries ex- exposed to the game, we'll, we'll see um, the Challenger Series become a, a men's and women's And it might be, series. yeah, it might be in the women's space too. You know, if, if um, you know, if, if you're sort of battling to get the, the number of teams... You know, it'd be a really good opportunity for, say, your USA's, your Australia's, New Zealand's, um, you know, Canada, to put in, you know, even the French, to put in a, a development team that sort of sits under yeah. under that, that main squad um, and have them get some reps too. So maybe they don't play four points yeah. on the Challenger Series, but they... A bit like the the Oceania Champs yeah. was set up. Yeah, yeah. so you yeah. almost have a separate, I guess, a separate pool or put them in a separate spot or... I don't know, you know, however you, however you, um, however you structure it, but to give those athletes some extra reps, and I know that's one thing that's um, a challenge here in Australia now, is we have a really good, I guess, provincial sevens competition, so underpinning the national team, and then once you make that jump as a senior athlete, if you're not getting regular minutes with the with the top team, then it's, you know, the drop is then back to club rugby. There's nothing that sort of sits in between the Aon series and the um and the and then senior national team outside a couple of you know a couple of regional yeah 
and especially trying to get 12 months of, of footy coverage for yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you tend to just be training a lot, um, which for anyone who's been involved in a high performance setup before, you know, doing rehab or whatever, when you're just training, it can become, it can become a chore and, you know, footy's supposed to be fun, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, that's it. Another episode done. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's, mum and dad. Um, okay, sorry, mate. Uh, I know you've been waiting four weeks to get on here, but... Yeah, we there just might be a ticket to come on in your Santa sack, mate. <laughs> we just ran out of time, mate. I'm sorry. I am sorry. But, yeah, so uh, thanks again to thecover.com.au. Really appreciate uh, your support in this. Or uh, thank, thank you, Jimbo. Thank you, Ella and Lily. Yeah, and the big dogs. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, again, happy Christmas, happy New Year's. We will be back uh, in the new year. We may, we may miss that first week in, in January, depending on what happens. But, yeah, enjoy your break, and we will speak to you all soon.